80s, I was a student at Isabel M. Pearson Middle School in Winstead, Connecticut. For those of you who don't know what a middle school is, it's some combination of grades 6, 7, and 8 in the American educational system, or students between the ages of 11 and 13 years old. There was a program called Hinsdale Heroes that awarded kids with the highest grades in each subject a cash prize. I don't remember the specific rules. It could have been given out two or four times per year. And I believe there were second and third prizes as well. Also, if I remember correctly, you could not win the same prize every semester. For example, you couldn't be the English Hinsdale hero every time it was awarded, but you could receive the award for the other subject. And I think it was possible to get second or third place in the same subject as well. There were around 100 kids in my class, and the same handful of students won these awards over and over and over again, with very few exceptions. At the time, it didn't feel that this was weird or unfair, most likely because I was one of the recipients. I mean, I always just assumed that I would win at least one of the prizes. Before the awards were announced, I would already have the bike parts that I wanted to buy picked out and maybe even ordered. My expectations were high, and they were always realized. Thus, I had a sweet bike with many high-quality parts. Today I still have a pretty cool bike, and I receive the occasional monetary windfall. But looking back, I am certain that Instale Heroes was a terrible use of money. I mean, why? Did it inspire students to do better? I always assumed that I would be the recipient of one of the awards. Is it fair to say that the majority of other students assumed they would never win the prize? Was the purpose of the prize to rub the achievements of others in the faces of people who were struggling to get by? I, I don't know what the mission statement for Hinsdale Heroes is or was, but I don't think that this is a valuable lesson for a 12-year-old on either side of the money. Maybe it is a valuable life lesson, but it's not a good lesson coming directly from the institution that is supposed to be training and educating you to find your way in the world. I'm not suggesting that they should divide the money amongst all the students. That would be stupid. But, but wouldn't it make sense to use the money for something else? like anything else, a trip, a concert, donate it to a good cause, better school lunches. I don't know why this popped into my head recently, but I thought I'd share it here as a blatant example of how much we are all programmed. All right, I can't speak for all of us, but I want more money than I need. And I think I deserve it because I perceive myself as being a hard worker. But historically, a lot of things have come easy for me because I am no stranger to privilege. I've been taught to think that way, and no matter what I read or what I convince myself of, the thought of money is always in the back of my head. Always. On a brighter note, you are listening to Feel Free to Deviate, the podcast about people, their careers, and their relationships with success. This is the 20th episode of Feel Free to Deviate, and the guest is Gretchen Licata. Gretchen is the facilities director of the Pioneer Valley School District in Western Massachusetts. She'll tell you exactly what that entails, but I will tell you that it's a big job with lots of responsibilities, and she is an unsung hero working behind the scenes to make sure that everything works the way it should. She makes the things that most people take for granted happen. Trigger warning. At around the 39-minute mark, I've inserted a tone into the conversation. You'll notice it because there are no other tones or beeps in the episode. For two minutes and 53 seconds from that point, we talk about the existence of school shooters because that ties into some of her job responsibilities. 
If that's going to trigger you, you should skip to 42 minutes, 38 seconds in the timeline. All right, strap in, get a beverage, do what you got to do to prepare. This is my conversation with Gretchen Licata. two podcasts in one day that's like big time oh my god i hope i'm not useless for this i really i really want to do you justice but uh after the first guy i was like oh my god i'm so exhausted it's hard to talk for you know over an hour right i don't want to scare you (laughs) but it's uh it can be it can be a challenge yeah anyway i had some coffee and i ate a hamburger i think i'm ready to go all right how how are you i'm good yeah. That's good. Uh, I'm good. I'm glad to have a day off and yeah, it's a it's like gorgeous day today. It's been super cold and today it's like in the 50s and it's sunny and me and the dogs went for a walk. So it's good. That does sound nice, especially yeah. because of where you are. It's so, it's such a lovely area. Yeah. It's also been super cold there, right? Yeah, it's been very cold and very icy, so it's not even like good fun winter. It's just it's dangerous to go outside because it's <laughs> it's just miserable, and... painful winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. Thanks for being on the show, Gretchen. When people ask you what you do, what do you tell them? Ah, I am the facilities director for Pioneer Valley Regional School District. That's that's my title. I'm super new to the job, so my last job had a much more vague title. It was um, manager of general services. I always felt like I had to explain, you know, like facilities director, people kind of know what you do. You're going to have to explain both for me. Okay. That's so- what this is about, huh? <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, yes. For <laughs> Yeah. How long have you been doing this kind of stuff? Ah. I started working in facilities as a custodian, actually, and that was like 17 years ago. Okay. Um. And I guess even before that, like my summer job when I was in high school was at a power plant. So that was sort of facilities related because it was maintenance type stuff. And then I was a custodian at Northfield Mount Hermon and I kind of worked my way up through the facilities department there. So yeah, so like 17 years been doing this kind of stuff. Just have a lot more responsibility now. But before before we talk about what you actually do... I'm going to say that I never re- realized what you you did for work the whole time, <laughs> like back in the day when we were all hanging out. And yeah, so well, this is all kind of news news to me. And the fact that you <laughs> this is this seems to me that it's sort it's like a career. <laughs> yeah, is a complete and total surprise to me. Yeah, and it, it is to me too, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think when when I knew you, I was probably still in college or freshly out of college, and so I had like summer jobs. Yeah, and and then I had kids, so I had I had my oldest when I was twenty one, so I was pretty young mm-hmm. and was definitely not career focused then. Right, and I think you know when I went to college, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I didn't know why I was there. Um, I can relate to that. Having kids was awesome for me because I I was like forced to grow up because I had to take care of them. And then when they went to school was when I got my custodial job. And that was in the same town. And the hours were when my kids were in school. So that's why I took that job. It's very convenient. Yeah. It just worked out that way. Uh, I, I wasn't like, I want to be a custodian. And I think even like most facilities directors don't 
they don't strive to be facilities directors when they start working. They're usually plumbers or or electricians or carpenters until their bodies give out. And then when they're kind of start getting old, then they become facilities directors. Sure. Or um, or, or it's probably also if they show a certain amount of uh, responsibility and, uh, I don't know, stick-to-itiveness or whatever, the, right, the, the right. people in charge probably offer them a pay raise that they are unlikely to refuse. Right. I think in, in my case, um, when I was working at Northfield Mount Hermon, I just... I don't. I get. I get like bored easy. Like I, being a custodian, you're you're kind of doing the same. You're washing the same floors and the same toilets every day, and and so I was always trying to help other people. Like, oh, can I can I help you set that up, or can I can you teach me how to drive that piece of equipment? And so I kind of learned to do other things, and I think my boss recognized that, and he actually decided that he wanted to use a group of people as general service laborers, like maintenance people. And so he, he took me and a couple other people from other departments like grounds and, you know, made a department out of us. And then I eventually um, managed that department and worked in a couple other areas in that, that school. That's just how I advanced there. I just, I just wanted to keep learning new things. And, and it was also, I, I feel like we were always short staffed so it was always like somebody's got to do this and i would be like well i'll i'll try <laughs> you know <laughs> i'll figure it out yeah i think that's that's kind of how i moved along there yeah and that was that was the first the first place or was that mount herman that was at mount, mount herman mount yeah. herman's like super fancy right yeah it's um it's a private boarding high school i feel like i dated somebody from from there and she told me that uma thurman went there yeah yeah nice. she did did you know her? Yeah, I I once found a desk drawer that said I bleeped Uma Thurman <laughs> oh, man. with a date. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like hung it up on the wall in our storage building. It was probably a lie. Well, you never know. I mean, <laughs> teenagers are teenagers; they do their thing. It's not so hard to believe, but it, it's also not so hard to believe that some mouthy young man might say something right. untoward about poor Uma. Right. How long did you work there? 17 years. 17 years. And I kind of thought that I would, like, I, I wasn't really looking to go anywhere else, I don't think. Yeah. I kind of thought when you put 17 years into one place, and I had, you know, done a lot while I was there to try and make it a better environment, and I thought that I would just keep working there. But this job opportunity came up. A friend of mine that that worked in the in the school system that I work at now, she was a third grade teacher, and we we were pretty close. And she was like, you know, there's a facilities director opening. You should you should apply. So I dusted off the resume, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> I had actually like I, keeping my resume was something that like I had kind of been doing anyways. Just it's like a hobby. Yeah, it's like a self evaluating <laughs> tool or something, you know. If you're just like trudging away doing your job and you don't look at your accomplishments and it kind of, I don't know, I think it's good to look at what you've done. Yeah. To brag about yourself to yourself, but I never expected to really send it off anywhere. Mount Hermon is is a private high school in my town and the school system I'm in now is the public high school that's directly across the street. And it actually consists of a high school and two elementary schools. So it's a regional school system. So there's five towns. They're all really small towns and they go to these two elementary schools and then to this high school, which is also a middle school. 
Yeah. So I applied there for this job and they called me the day after I sent my resume in and had me come in for an interview right away. So I was really like super unprepared. Like, What's <laughs> happening? What's That's going on? Pretty fast. And uh, yeah, it was super fast. And they called me in for a second interview. And then and then my dad died, which, oh, yeah. I'm so so that, that kind of threw me for a loop. And it was at the same time that this, you know, negotiations for a big job opportunity were happening. So that was a little crazy, but... The superintendent, who is basically my boss, well, she's actually the interim superintendent for the school district. She was so understanding and supportive, and that actually helped, you know, steer me towards this job. Yeah, that that makes for a nice environment. I, I it would be pretty negative experience if they didn't understand what it feels right. like to go through that. <laughs> They're like, no, if you can't start tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gone through that yet. But I, when my uncle died, it was devastating. I was very close with him. And I, I just can't even imagine trying to get stuff done during that sort of ordeal. Like it actually changed my life, you know? Right, right. And I can imagine that if one of your parents, it must just be, I don't even understand. I just don't even know how it must feel. Yeah, it, it's a little surreal. And my dad is actually my, um, or he he's my was my next door neighbor. So oh, man. he was... Uh, he was definitely part of my daily life. He had, he had Parkinson's, so uh-huh. I I did a lot of checking on him. Yeah. Um, so it was like a total part of your daily routine. Yeah, yeah. So my life has t- taken a lot of changes this year yeah. <laughs> all at once. But it was actually good to have something else to focus on also at the same time. I can imagine. <laughs> Staying busy. Everyone does it differently, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that also explains the massive influx of family photos on Instagram. Yeah, that's that's pretty fun. Um, oh, they're so great! They're so great. I really, I really love looking at them. Yeah, that was a big surprise. My dad and I don't know when or how he did this, but he had saved all these photos and he separated them into categories. It just like showed so much about how his brain worked because mm-hmm. he had separated them into these Manila envelopes and then he labeled them, and so it would say like fish and game, and there'd be a whole envelope full of like. <laughs> But it would have really old photos of my great uncle hunting, which was awesome. But then it would also have the neighbors when the neighbor shot a bear and it was hanging in his, you know. (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) And then, you know, he had one whole packet that was like all his vacations, all all shoved into one envelope. And, you know, his his school age years and his Navy years. And I don't know, it's just, it was really fantastic to just go through these envelopes one at a time. And then, then I don't know if you've seen recently, he had these uh, reel-to-reel home videos. So I had sent those off because I didn't have anything to play them on. I sent them off and got them digitized. And that's fantastic. You know, I'm seeing my grandparents and and my parents when they were young and everybody's smoking cigarettes. Oh, yeah. Kids are just running around and eating (laughs) cookies in the dirt. Yeah. You know. (laughs) Cookies (laughs) in the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so fantastic. The nerd in me is just enthralled by the idea that your father had the the foresight to to have a coding system and put it all into envelopes. Right, right. I mean, I I use a computer program for that and I I barely keeping order in my in my collection of things. I have no idea where anything is most of the time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like I have a a tote in the basement of actual photos of when my kids were babies. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> you know, they're probably all stuck together for Ugh. moisture. They're not categorized. You at should all. check Sorry, them, kids. <laughs> you should check them. It all worked out though with the job, obviously. Yeah, it's great. So when did you start? I started in October. There's a lot for me to learn because I don't have a trades background. I don't have a lot of electrical and plumbing experience. So when something goes wrong in a building, it's a mystery that I have to solve. So you're not the first responder? Well, well, yeah, I am the first responder and I have to figure out who to call. Oh, so you're more like dispatch. Yeah, I'll get a call that, you know, the elementary school, does, and this, <laughs> this is a real experience. This is a real life scenario. Um, my first week, I got a call that one of the elementary schools didn't have water. And oh, no. Like, what do you mean it doesn't have water? Like, how can it not have water? And we can't open a school if it doesn't have water. You know, it's a serious problem. So I had to call people to figure out what, what the problem was. It turned out to be a, a town issue where a water main had broken and they were able to reroute water to the school. So it ended up being fine. But I get these calls and I'm like, oh, crap. Uh -oh. <laughs> it's my job to figure out what <laughs> to do here. So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm still at that point. Definitely. I was still like trying to trying to learn the buildings and yeah. I don't know where anything is. And but that's how you learn. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's always fires to put out. It's kind of fun to figure them out. That's the best way to train. So like every time, like I'm, I'm unemployed and I've been applying for a lot of jobs. And every time I see something, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know what that is, but I could figure it out. But, you know, nobody seems to believe me. <laughs> I have a track record of figuring things out, but nobody seems to believe me. You know, I was, I was thinking about your podcast mm -hmm. because I feel like you're kind of playing like this weird trick on everybody. Oh, yeah. Because you're cre you've created this podcast yeah. that's about... That, that you don't have a job, but you're kind of making this podcast your job, right? Now, if only I could get someone to pay me for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's because, the trick. <laughs> you know, like, I, you know, I listen to some of them and you give like a little update, like, I'm still unemployed. And <laughs> so I'm like, how does this end? Oh, yeah. So just an update. I got a job. This is the last. This is the last episode. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> Thanks for all the fish. No, I'm going um, <laughs> to... I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna continue doing it once I'm employed again. It'll just be a little bit more difficult because of scheduling reasons. And you know, when you come home from work, you don't really wanna do this. Right. It takes a lot of time and energy. I bet it does. I don't know. I feel like you should be making money off it. Agreed. You should tell everybody that I should be making money yeah. off of it. <laughs> I'll gladly I'll gladly take money for it. <laughs> There's gotta be a way. <laughs> Yeah, the subscriber base is slowly growing, and the number of downloads is increasing, and uh, that's good. That's great. But it's not to the point where I can imagine any advertisers would be like, yeah, we're signing up with you because this is the freight train to success. I don't know. One of these days, I'll probably start some kind of a Patreon thing or something, but uh, I feel like I'm, I'm not there yet. Can you see where your where your downloaders are? Can you see where they are? I, I can see that what country they're from. Yeah, I think I'm not sure if I can go granular in the United States. I probably can, but I can see that the majority are coming from the U.S., then the Netherlands because that's where I live, then other like there's one guy in Portugal downloading. <laughs> hey, Dries. <laughs> um, Besides that, I see, yeah, I see someone, someone from Canada has been downloading. I, did I tell you in an email about the people from Uganda are downloading? There are a couple, couple downloads from Uganda. 
That's so fascinating. It's so weird. I can't explain some of them. It's, uh, yeah, it's mostly the United States and the Netherlands. And then there's like scattered downloads from other countries. Maybe they're they're seeing my stuff on Instagram or something. But hey, the more the merrier. Come on, download right. them. It's good. Yeah, that's cool. I think it's pretty cool. When I used to work at the website company early on, there was a guy who was working on uh, promotional stuff. And every time he sent an email, they used, what was, I can't remember if it was MailChimp or campaign manager, some, some sort of a email program to send out email blasts. And they have like a map. And as the emails get opened, you can see the things happen and their, their email list was huge. So like thousands of people. So every time he would send out a, an email, he'd say, guys, come over and look. And then you can see, bang, open, 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 open. And like little red dots start popping up all over the map. It's insane. Wow, that's cool. It's really cool. But yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year. That's Maybe fun. next year. In, in a way, I'm pleasantly surprised that, that it's growing. But in the beginning, I thought it was going to go faster. Mm. I was wrong. Yeah, I can see where that would be kind of hard to, to get started. Feels like it seems like once it gets started, then it might take on a life of its own. But we're still in the early stages. Congratulations, you're you're in on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I got a little off track. Um, so yeah, now you're doing this thing. You're working for the city. Yeah, uh, you jumped yeah. into the deep end. I did. You have a lot of new responsibilities. What exactly are you in charge of? Anything that has to do with the building itself. But it's a series of buildings. It's three buildings. Two elementary schools and one high school. I drive back and forth. They're not very far apart. They're in neighboring towns. Five-minute drive in between them. Most of what I've dealt with so far is heating issues. Usually people are too cold or too hot and I have to figure out why. Right. Just wait um, till the summer. It's going to be crazy. Right. Then, then it'll be summer. The kids won't be in school. So then it'll be updates to the buildings. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's, that's a whole nother level. But there also must be so many crazy things going on with COVID. Do you have to update the HVAC systems and stuff? Yeah, a lot of that happened over the last couple of years as far as, I mean, for a while, kids weren't even in the school building itself. Mm -hmm. It was kind of crazy when I was working at North and Mount Hermon because the kids lived on campus. So, and they came from all over the place. I think like 30% or something like that are international students. So they went home from for spring break and then didn't come back. And then we had to figure out what we had to do with all their stuff. Mm. Like they had all their things here and then we had to figure out how to ship all their stuff home or store it. But yeah, for the for the public schools that I'm in now, that was more of making sure that there was fresh air getting into the building and separating the desks and there's guidelines that we have to follow. So I'm in, you know, in charge of the custodial departments and they have to wipe down all the tables in the cafeteria between every seating of students. And because they only want a certain amount of students in the room at a time, there's multiple seatings of students. So every 20 minutes, they have to wipe down all the tables. You need a table Zamboni. Yeah, I'll work or, on or that. Or a Roomba, like a Roomba <laughs> with a, with a <laughs> disinfectant stuff in it, yeah. constantly buzzing about the room, just disinfecting all day long. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because there's, you know, I don't know if you guys have this problem there, but we are so short-staffed everywhere, like our restaurants and anywhere where it's just like a, you know, not a high-paying job where you really have the workers. Yeah. It's hard to find people to work right now. So mm -hmm. 
So we're kind of, we we were short-staffed when I was at NMH and we're also short-staffed at the public school now with custodians. So it's like at a time where people are extra cautious about how clean everything is. Yeah. So we need to be cleaning more, but we have less people to do it. You know, you're trying not to overwork people and it's challenging. I can imagine. I, I really have no desire to do that kind of work, but now I'm thinking maybe I should look into it because, <laughs> because it sounds like there might be a lot of stuff available. I can tell you that recently Marlene had a conversation with the woman who runs coffee shop that, that I go to, and she was saying that they started serving meals at night there, but then they had to quickly shut it down because like you say, there weren't there weren't there weren't enough young people working because there was such a long period of time where they couldn't work. They started to find other jobs, and they all ended up working for the GGD, which is the health organization that does all the testing. So all the oh, test locations yeah. are filled with all these young people who would be working in restaurants. It's, right. it's kind of funny. Wow, <laughs> it's another thing I didn't think of. You know, that's just crazy. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like you know, you you put out a job posting, and you just get no applicants, and Sometimes you'll get an applicant and you'll set up an interview and then they don't show up to the interview. And it's like, oh. especially because, you know, if you're short staffed, you're just you're wearing multiple hats uh-huh. um, at an elementary school where there's only it's a small building. So there's only two custodians. If I'm short one custodian, mm-hmm. then there's there's a lot of work that has to be done. So yeah. a lot of times I'll, I'll go in at five o'clock in the morning and spend three or four hours doing that job before I go to my office and work on my <laughs> my other job. And like then, it's not enough to do the other thing. Yeah, and then I'll get a phone call that something wacky is happening at another building, so I'll go over there. And Days go by super fast. Well, yeah, if you're constantly doing this crazy yeah. stuff all the time. <laughs> oh, hang on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in charge of this, but uh, someone needs to wipe down the counter again. It's right. been 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs> And we're exactly. short-staffed, so <laughs> yeah, you, you I'm just going to go take care head. of that. <laughs> <laughs> Until I ended up working at a school, I worked at Wellesley College for, for, for a good number of years. And until I worked at an institution like that, I didn't realize, first of all, how many people actually work there and the, the extent to which running a, an institution like that requires massive amounts of labor and and knowledge. I guess it's not quite the same. Wellesley had its own power plant and their own police mm. force and all this other stuff. It was just crazy. But I imagine that keeping the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning going in, in multiple public schools, p- keeping the place staffed and keeping it clean. Just think about the amount of effort it takes to keep those bathrooms clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the bathrooms is like a full-time job. It's a massive undertaking. These things happen and they happen in the background and people aren't really aware of what it takes to make that magic happen. Well, if you're doing it right, yes. That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- that's the stuff that keeps civilization together. Right. If you are doing everything right, then people don't notice. Right. I mean, people don't notice if they go into a bathroom and it's clean, but they notice if it's dirty. They sure do. I'm not one that wants to be in the limelight anyways. Like this, the, the whole idea of this podcast gave me so much anxiety. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want people to really notice the job that I do because if I'm doing it right, then they'll be comfortable. That's, that's my goal, I guess. And how, how, how do you think you're doing so far? You've only been there for a couple of months. 
I think I'm doing okay. I just I have so much to learn. I've got to I've got to be a little bit easier on myself. I'll be like, why haven't I got this figured out yet? And then I'll be like, you just started in October. Like, oh, cut yeah. yourself some slack, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. I would much rather have a job that's super busy like this than to be in a factory or be sitting at a computer all day. What did What did you want to be when you were a kid? When I was a kid, I was a painfully shy child. I think I wanted to be an artist or a vet. My my mom was an artist, so she was always doing fun art projects with us. What was her, her medium? She's a painter, oil paints and watercolors. Um, she still paints, but she was an art teacher when I was a kid. Oh, cool. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of art did you want to do? Or do you want to do? You do still, you make pot, you make ceramics, right? I do. Yeah. I do some pottery. I've got a little studio set up in our basement. That's cool. Yeah. I don't do it as much as I'd like to, but you know. That happens. Yeah. Need more time. Need more hours in the day. I mean, if you're constantly cleaning up schools, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though. The pottery is definitely therapeutic to just zone out making something mm-hmm. with your hands. I can, uh appreciate a good extracurricular activity. Although I have to say that since I started doing this, I do not do much else. Every time is just spoken for. And that's, it's a fact of life. But uh, the the workflow is getting faster. But I don't really want to, yeah, I don't need to talk about myself. But it all comes back to me. Well, it's kind of a creative thing anyways, you know, it's not like you're not using your creative talents, especially when you're making your little promotional videos and it, it it's it's pretty fun. It's just uh yeah it's uh it takes a lot of takes a lot of a lot of effort. But also here's another thing which uh, you said that you started doing the custodial work because of the the time was convenient for being a mom, which yeah makes a lot of sense. And I mean obviously I could never be a mom because I'm not a woman. But being the unemployed person in this relationship, when the my my lady is making all the money. Some of the, the traditional matronly duties have fallen on me. And I can honestly say that it's like a job anyway. And I'm not even doing a good job at it. <laughs> I don't know how people do it. Working a full-time job and being a mom is hard. Yeah. And I think everyone should know that. Like I said, I'm, I'm straight up do a terrible job. I don't, I mean, I, I cook and I do a little bit of cleaning, but I, sh- I should really be cleaning more. <laughs> it's uh it's not my forte. Um, this is your show, so I don't want to bring uh, your man friend into it, <laughs> but I'm going to because I'd kind of like to hear a little bit about your side of the thing. When, when, when I talked with Ben, he, he said that when the kids were young, he was just kind of going out and doing rock guy things a lot. And you would say, all right, it's cool. And then instead of talking about it, he would just accept it and go off and do his thing. And then you'd be like there with the kids all the time. What what's your story on that side of the situation? Yeah, I don't know. He he's very introspective of that time. I think I was pretty content being home with the kids. Yeah. And I I wasn't like it's not fair you always get to go out and do stuff. I don't really want to be doing that. Um, okay. You know. <laughs> well, that's good. I, yeah. No, it was I I think it's fine. I think it eventually causes some challenges because you're I think there came a point where we we had different lives. Yeah, yeah, he was saying that too. Um, it was funny because our kids are now grown ups, 
So we went through this raising them and sending them off, and then they flew away and went on to do their things. And all of a sudden, it was just like me and him, and it hadn't <laughs> it hadn't been that way in twenty years. So we would find ourselves like sitting in the living room, just the two of us, and we'd be like, "Wow, it's really quiet." <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, trying to figure out what, what we had in common all over again. You have but, to get to know each other again. Yeah, yeah. And we're very different people. So we've recently found a few things that we both like to do and ha- have some fun doing that. I, this isn't recent. I, I'm really bad at looking at social media lately, but I seem to recall that both of you have motorcycles. We do, yeah. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I got my motorcycle license. I don't know. It was probably like eight years ago. I took one of those safety courses mm-hmm. when you, you get your license as part of, part of the course. Yeah. 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 And then it took me a long time to get up the nerve to actually ride a motorcycle because it's not like learning to ride a car where somebody's sitting there with you. It's like you're you're on your own. And I didn't grow up. He grew up on dirt bikes and four wheelers and Okay. You know, when I grew up, we had a horse, which which is scarier, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it was new, and then still, I don't know if you can take this from the the jobs that I've explained, but I have always worked with a bunch of guys. Like I've always worked with men. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain pressure when you're a female around men. Work, especially when you're working, you have to. You almost have to work harder in order to gain respect or something. I don't know. But I was terrified when I was just learning how to ride my motorcycle of going to work and like tipping it over in the parking lot oh, and having God. to ask somebody to help me pick it back up. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. And, and when you're first learning to ride, like you're going to tip it over once in a while. So, yeah. So it took, it took me a couple of years before I was like comfortable on the motorcycle enough to like take it to work. But now I'll take it to work as much as I can. It's like flying to work, right? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the best. Yeah, it's it's fun. We went on a, a couple longer trips this past summer. We just went on a, on a trip in New York. I think one day we did like six hours or something. And that was fun. Like we went camping and had all our stuff packed on our bikes and got to see some new sites and rode on some awesome roads. It was fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like a tremendous amount of fun. Six hours, though, is, it's, that's pretty exhausting, right? Yeah, it's it's hard. And, you know, there was one day, one day uh, that it just rained all day. <laughs> Doubly exhausting. Like, I hadn't really driven in the rain before, so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to learn how to ride in the rain. And it poured. I yeah. was just completely soaked through. And I thought that I had waterproof pants, but they were water resistant great and they were also tapered so the water was just running down my leg into my boot (laughs) oh wonderful so then we stopped at a restaurant and i changed my clothes in the restaurant bathroom squeezing out my socks in the sink and we we got some warm food and and then i got food poisoning (laughs) so like the next three hours that we had to drive i was i was like in the worst pain and had to keep pulling over it was it was not a good scene (laughs) <laughs> so besides that it sounds but great. it was a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> i highly recommend it <laughs> besides that it sounds great i got my my motorcycle license pretty late i re- actually right before i moved to the netherlands and i haven't been riding here but 
it was fantastic. And the, the coolest part, I feel like, was going to work in the morning. It's exhilarating. But taking it out <laughs> on the highway the first time, first handful of times, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't really, like, have any desire to go 100 miles an hour. <laughs> it's pretty scary. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm more like, I just want to, like, cruise down some some twisty roads and yeah, look at some nice scenery. The Berkshire foothills. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Totally. It's amazing. There's so many nice places to ride out there. Yeah, there is. I'm I'm like starting to do do a little research and try and figure out where our next our next adventure is gonna be. Oh, there must be entire websites dedicated to uh outlining those rides. Yeah, for sure. We need to do some like traveling to other places too, because I know you can do that and like rent rent motorcycles and Oh yeah, yeah. That's you that's know? probably the thing. I never even thought about that. Yeah, when I think of renting cars, I only think about like Hertz or, or <laughs> Avis, right? And they don't have motorcycles. Right. They just they just have no, Toyotas, have, right? The compact car. That's <laughs> yeah. where you're going to rent a Yaris. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's not that bad. <laughs> that's what I always say whenever I rent a car. Yeah. Oh, this isn't that bad. <laughs> it's not. It's not that bad. At least it's clean. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's not like my car. <laughs> no, I, well, I don't have a car anymore, but like, it's definitely cleaner than any car I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. So you're like living kid free now. You're mm-hmm. an advanced mother. You are uh, in charge of a lot of crazy stuff. You have risen to yeah. the top of the custodial. The, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. It's just that because you, you mentioned before, it, it's not really an aspiration to be a custodian in like the breakfast club, for instance, they keep making fun of the janitor guy, but you know, these people get things done. They make our lives better. And now you're nearing the top of the, the custodial food chain. Do you think of yourself as, as being a successful person? I guess so. I feel like as a facilities director, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a good job that a lot of people would aspire to if they're in the facilities world. I don't think a lot of people that start out as custodians end up as facilities directors. So in that way, I feel some success. And I also feel like it's a satisfying career. So that feels like success, if that makes sense. Sounds good. It does make sense. Sounds fantastic. I just think it's crazy that I had no idea what you were doing the whole time we were hanging out. I guess that's mostly because I was hanging out with your husband mostly late at night. I'm, I was a pretty quiet person then. I still am, but I'm not one to like talk about myself a lot. Unlike some people. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. It's not like I'm going to like, you know, design a podcast around my yeah, life. Right. Right? So when I started this job, and one thing that drew me to this job is the the superintendent made it clear that she wanted to invest in my professional development. So she was like, you know, I'm going to make sure that you can go to seminars and learn the stuff that you don't already know. I think the second month I was there, I went to a conference that was the, I want to get this right, is the MFAA. So it's the Massachusetts Facilitators Administrators association, I think. But I was like, oh, good. You know, I can learn a lot from this. You know, there's all these seminars that are happening. That's going to be super helpful. And I'm like looking at the website to sign up for it. And and like I said, most of the people who are facilities directors, they come from some trade background. So probably 80% of the people in this association, if not more, are older white dudes. Shocking. And, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just <laughs> looking at the photos and I was like, oh, oh, what am I getting myself into? And then I get the calendar of events and the first event is at a shooting range. 
Oh, damn. That is so great. <laughs> it was fun, though, right? <laughs> it was fun. And it was like, you know, it was a it was a promotional type event from from a company that makes bulletproof glass. So. <laughs> of course. Get this for your school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just such a sad, sad reality of so crazy of, that this company exists um, for that reason. But then we had some, we got to shoot some guns, which which was fun at the glass. <laughs> uh, no, they uh. they did. They did a demonstration where they shot different different kinds of glass and then broke through a door and, and did some super testosterone filled excitement. That sounds like a job I could stand behind. <laughs> Door breaker, <laughs> glass shooter. <laughs> Who do I call for that? <laughs> so did you guys end up buying the glass? No, we, th- we have not um, invested in bulletproof glass. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessary in, uh, in Northfield. Yeah, yeah, I guess you never know. Some of, you the, never do. some of the places where these things happen are, are just small, quaint little towns. Most of them, in fact. Yeah, but, you know, there's... There's definitely, you know, things they teach you about delaying the shooter. and Oh, for real? You've yeah. had to train for that? Yeah. Oh, um, my. All right. First of all, I mentioned before that it's something that people take for granted that your position even exists, that there's some wizard in the background making the toilets clean and the, the, the kitchens <laughs> work and making sure the place doesn't fall apart. But now you're right. talking about you need to do this training for crisis aversion with shooters? Yeah. You have to have a plan. Or something like that happens. Holy so, crap. So most, most schools have some sort of plan. Of course they do. I don't know why that didn't... See, it didn't occur to me. Yeah. Does, it, does that make me an idiot? No. No. I mean... A little bit. You don't... You shouldn't... You shouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't. Neither should you. Jeez. <laughs> Man, that is so crazy. So can you tell me the plan or is that... You, can, you probably can't. It's like secret. It's changed some. They used to teach you to kind of like run and hide. Yeah. Now, if you're like an adult present there, they want you to to engage with the shooter to keep him from doing his task. So whatever you can do to stall him and get him frustrated and flustered so that his plan isn't going according to, okay. to what he wanted to do. Wow. Yeah. And there's all sorts of things that you can do. Like, you know, throw furniture at him. Is right. One, is one I was going to say that you, you should have you know? smoke grenades. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Get some old smoke machines, like from the old rock shows. Fired up! Yeah. (laughs) That's terrible. It really is. Um, It really is terrible. Do you have any other esoteric responsibilities that civilians probably aren't thinking of? There's a lot of inspections that happen. Elevator inspection, there's asbestos inspection, there's boiler inspection, there's, you know, someone that comes and inspects the kitchens and the... Mm -hmm. Everything, the water, you know. Right. So a lot of it is making sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and making sure that we're on schedule for those inspections. Are the buildings very old? Or is there is, is asbestos an issue? There's only asbestos in one of the buildings, and it's not the oldest building. Hmm. Um, yeah, the elementary school in, in Northfield, in the town that I live in, is very old, I think. I want to say it was built in the 40s. So they've got old equipment. And this, I mean, that's one one thing that I've seen with this job that's a little different. It's funny because I went from private school to public school. So mm-hmm. it's funny to see that the difference in how they deal with facilities. I feel like it's almost better at the public school because there is a 
realistic support system. Oh, really? Because there, you know, there's a superintendent, but there's also there's a school committee, which is made up of people in the town. So they they might be parents or they might be retired school teachers or they might they're just like made up of people that don't work at the school, but they care about the school for some reason or other. So that committee has subcommittees and one worries about the budget and one worries about building and grounds. So it was fantastic for me to find out recently that there's this building and grounds committee on the school committee that they're there to help me do my job. So we sit down and we're like, here's what's wrong with this building. Here's what we need to do. And they help me figure out how we're going to do it. Where as a private school, you have the head of school and you have trustees who have some investment in the building, but they don't have the same understanding of the infrastructure, <laughs> right. if that makes any sense. They, they understand the money part of it, and right. they like to put the money into things that they can see. <laughs> They're like, someone make this happen. <laughs> yeah. Private schools run on donor money. So someone might donate $5 million, but they want that $5 million to be a really fancy thing that they can see. And they don't want to put their $5 million into a crumbling basement that they're never going to see. Whereas in the public school, these people know the basement what a important. crumbling basement looks like, <laughs> yeah. and they know how important it is, right. and <laughs> they're going to find the money to put into it, right. and they're going to work really hard to do that. It's not a showpiece. Um, it's just necessity. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, that sounds much more uh, practical than just trying to get some recognition. The donor could say, I need a plaque on whatever you put the money on. This is the, the John Doe Memorial Basement. <laughs> yeah. And nobody sees exactly. the plaque. <laughs> it's the, the Gretchen Lakata septic system. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, who said it was a thankless job? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that stuff's got to get done. <laughs> it really does. Um, and also, you know, private school was funny because, you know, there's all these traditions. So I would have to set up for these events that had to happen because they happened every year for the past 75 years. <laughs> and they were so labor intensive. One event was this rope pull. The juniors and the seniors would do have a rope pull across um, this pond in the middle of campus. Me and like two other guys would have to drag out this rope that was probably... I don't know. It had to be 250 feet long and about as big around as a baseball bat, maybe. It was yeah, pretty thick. I think I know the kind of rope you're talking about. And we would have to drag it from the truck and drag it across the pond and set it all up for them. And then the kids would come down screaming, grab the rope, and the, the whole event would last about a minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> and then they would drop the rope and they would run off and go to have their lunch or whatever and then we'd have to drag this <laughs> sopping wet muddy rope out of the pond and clean it lay it out to dry somewhere yeah it's good stuff <laughs> it sounds like a good use of time <laughs> right right <laughs> hey but it's tradition yeah. it was tradition it had to happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what to say but that it sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to bash on private school. It was a great school. And actually, our our kids went there when I was working there. Oh, they did. That's fantastic, right? Yeah, they did. It was a great, great opportunity. They did some really, they both traveled to New Zealand while they were there. Oh, super cool. I would love to go there. Yeah. It's not just like a 
vacation to New Zealand, they had a whole course about it. So they learned about the the culture. And then the teachers, there was this husband and wife faculty there, Meg and Glenn Donnelly. And Glenn was from New Zealand. And they had all these connections there with the Maori. So every other year, they would bring a group of students and they spent six weeks just traveling the two islands and they got to spend some time with the Maori and, and learn their traditions and stuff. Something that definitely changed my kids' lives. That is amazing. Is it better to go to the private school, if only for stuff like that? I don't know. I saw so much pressure at the private school. And a lot of it was like, especially like kids coming from other countries and their parents are putting so much money and so much faith into like sending their kid off to be raised in another country by other people. A lot of those kids, I, I felt like had just way too much pressure on them to succeed. And it's also, if you don't want to go to college and make your whole life about your career, then maybe private school isn't the best place for you. Public school, I think, is more focused on you need to learn this so that you can take this step and then take this step and then t- take this step. I don't know. I think there's there's so much pressure on kids to know what they want to do. Way too much. In high school, that's that's kind of crazy to me. I agree. Seems how I'm only figuring it out now. <laughs> I wish I was figuring you know? <laughs> it out. I just kind of want to do this. I, I guess I guess I figured right? it out. Right? You're figuring it out too, but we're in our 40s, right? I so. know. When I was in high school, I wanted to be more social, I think. Yeah. I, want, I just wanted to make it through the day. Sometimes. Yeah, high school is... Uh, it's weird. You know, I, don't, I don't think you could pay me to go back to high school. <laughs> um, I don't think I liked it very much. And I, I actually went to... The schools that I work at now. How does that feel? It's nice because I feel a connection. It's also weird because the schools have changed a lot. There's been a lot of updates. So the the high school where my office is now, it doesn't even trigger memories of high school because it looks very different. But the elementary school looks so similar. And, and it's funny because one of the big projects that I have to figure out for hopefully for this summer is like a big bathroom renovation in the Northfield Elementary School. And I walked in to the, to that bathroom and I was like, oh my God, it hasn't changed since I went here. Like Weird little it, to- it, toilets. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely needs an update. I'm hey. assuming you went to a, to a public school. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Winstead, Connecticut. And technically my school was semi-private. They like to say it's semi-private because it sounds fancy. It's only semi-private because half of the money that runs it comes from a trust that was set up by a guy who ran a clock shop a hundred years ago or something. Oh, and fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty cool. But to say that it's semi-private makes it sound more prestigious than it is. It's just a public school and it's not a particularly great public school. I, I'm sorry, Gilbert people, if you're offended by me saying <laughs> that, but it was fine. They were always arguing about budgets and stuff. And in our town, there were two high schools Winstead had its own high school because it was kind of the biggest of the small towns in the area. And then the other high school in Winstead was the regional high school, which was all the small towns. And that's actually where Ed and Andrew went to school. So they were from, I guess, Barkhamsted and New Hartford and New Hartford and Barkhamsted and all these other little schools went to that school. But that school was was actually much better than the semi-private school that I went to. I mean, I don't know if it's actually better, but I know that they had more class diversity, not 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 student body-wise, but they had a greater variety of classes, I think, and programs. Mm. I, it seemed to me like it was a better school. I guess the grass is always greener. Right. Another... Every school seems better when, than the one that you're in. Right? Yeah, I think so. 
<laughs> I think I think that might be true. But I always kind of wanted to go there because uh, I remember hearing about some of the classes they were taking. I was like, oh, that's nice to take that instead of just history. Um, right. <laughs> you know, you know? Right. <laughs> I can't remember a specific class, or, but, you know, they were like specific themed English classes or specific themed history classes. And I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. It's high school. It was over. And then, you know, <laughs> I went on and did the rest of the stuff that I did. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone survived. What was the last movie you saw? Uh, we actually just went to the movies with um, with one of our kids uh, yesterday. And we what did you watch? We saw um, Uncharted. I don't even know what that is. It's probably not even. It, it's probably not even available where you are. It's a. It's a movie that's based on a video game. <laughs> oh, all right it was pretty good it was an action adventure type okay type movie i was expecting you to say you saw some truly adult film that not, not adult film <laughs> <laughs> like a film that adults would watch that's not an adult yeah. film but but, but <laughs> but then i was gonna drop the i was gonna tell you that the last movie that i saw was sing two which you probably don't even know what that is because you don't have tiny kids anymore <laughs> those kids movies make me cry anyways why because they're terrible <laughs> they're so sad there's always like something really sad in kids' movies. There were some moments, I guess, but this one wasn't particularly sad. It wasn't terrible either. It was, it was, it was amusing. I laughed. I mean, I definitely wouldn't have gone to see it by myself. Mm. Shockingly enough, it's a good, it's a good wholesome fun activity, unless it's an adult film. <laughs> exactly. I made an appointment with a friend to go see the most recent Wes Anderson movie a couple months ago, whenever it came out. Yeah. There was a time when we were allowed to go to the movies and then we weren't allowed to go to the movies and now we're allowed to go to the movies again. Anyway, nice. the last window, I made plans with a friend to go see The French Dispatch, which is in a, a, a film for adults. He bailed on me. So I convinced Marlene to ditch work, which I mean, is she works for herself. So, you know. It's not like she was ditching work, but she came to the movies with me. We went to the movies at like 11 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, and it was awesome. Yeah. If if we go to the movies, it's going to be in the day. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's because it's, there's not a lot of people there. Like nobody. It's it's dark inside, so you forget that it's light out outside. And it's awesome when you get out and it's still light out, and you're like, hey, I still have some day left. Exactly. You know, I get up really early to go to work, so I'm useless after after 9 o'clock. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Are we done? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what Is, else? Do you feel like I haven't asked you something important? I think that we've covered my career pretty thoroughly. Yeah. And a little bit of the extracurricular stuff. Right. Well, I think you're I think that you're a successful person. Hey, thanks. Anyone who can who can turn a custodial job into running the facilities for an entire school system is pretty amazing. Thanks. And also, I, I know it's it's kind of trite to say oh, moms are the best, but I mean, being a mom is, is hard work and doing both is hard work. Yeah. I don't know. My kids made it easy, really, because they were pretty good kids most of the time. They were pretty good kids, except for when they were like 12 and 13. <laughs> My oldest daughter's 10 and she's starting to be weird. Yeah. That preteen, it's tough. Preteen girls are are tough. What's the plan for the future? Just keep trudging on. Are you going to eventually become the superintendent? Uh, I don't think I would want to be the superintendent. That's. Um... But what if they offer it to you? <laughs>
No, I don't think so. I think I have so much growth to do in the job that I just started. I feel like I want to stay there for a while. Yeah, they're not um, going to offer it to you tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that eventually I can retire. That's, oh. that would, that's my goal. <laughs> Never! I would like to retire and do some motorcycle traveling. Nice. Um, what are you riding, by the way? My bike is a 92 Harley Sportster. Oh, nice. Um, it's a 883. It's a total mutt. Somebody pieced it together from other motorcycles. So it's a, it's a little, I don't know what the right description is. Grungy looking. It's just, yeah. it it just looks like a mutt. I um, like Sportsters. I know all the Harley guys. I'm sure Ben probably has some big monster 1200cc chrome thingamajang. But uh, but I, I think I think Sportsters are super cool because they're like svelte. Yeah. They're just motorcycle. No bells, whistles, and stuff. Yeah, there's, it's just, there's nothing extra on there. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Just, it is what it is. His main ride is also a Sportster. Oh, really? it's like a newer, it's definitely newer and fancier and shinier than mine. So he, he's kind of funny because he likes to have motorcycle projects, so he'll oh, he get a, him. yeah, he gets an older motorcycle and he just fixes it up and he makes it all shiny and clean. And so he's he gets like disgusted because my motorcycle will be like <laughs> splattered with mud. Like, Don't you want to clean that off? I'm like, no, it's just, it's, it looks better on there, I think. I think it looks nicer like that. It's lived in. It's lived in. <laughs> and that's what you would go on your extended trips with? You're not going to go and get like a Honda Goldwing or something? No, I think ultimately we would have a van or something we could sleep in and tow the motorcycles so that we could camp in something. I mean, I love camping. We do a lot of camping, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be a time where I want to be on a mattress probably all the time so i think if we had some sort of camper and towed our motorcycles so that we had shelter from the rain but could explore fun places on motorcycles when we get there yeah sure like day rides and then have a home base sounds like a goal that's that's my retirement goal but until then i have a lot to do in my new job yes a lot of buildings to maintain yes a lot of systems to maintain well good luck with that thank you good luck with your your podcast. Thank you. I know that. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be really disappointed if you get a job right now. Well, I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> <laughs> I could use some money. Doesn't that suck? It really does. And, I, and I'm going to try to continue doing it even after I, I become an employed person. That's good. my That's goal. Good. Great. Um, thanks a lot for being on the show. Hey, thanks for uh, having me feel honored maybe we'll do a a follow-up session someday okay all right bye bye that was gretchen she has a great npr voice like a like a sultry terry gross i truly appreciate how she turned the most unlikely job into a career by being curious and effective it's nice to see good workers get recognized for their abilities rather than loudmouth bravado because you know that that happens sometimes Also, I like how she kept up her resume for herself as a self-evaluation tool. I think that's a lovely idea. Thanks for being on the show, Gretchen. It was great talking to you. And thank you, dear listeners, for all the time you have given me. If you'd like to give me a bit more of your time, please go interact with my stuff on Instagram. My account is at feelfreetodeviate. Tell your friends. Like and share and comment and all the good stuff. Also, go to feelfreetodeviate.com for show-related information and links. 
Thanks to Ed for audio editing. You can find him at boomkas.com. That's B-O-O-M-K-A-A-S.com. The next episode will feature a high school English teacher named Michael Sweetek, who occasionally writes movie reviews and may write a novel someday. Check it out in two weeks. Thanks again for listening. I hope spring is in the air where you are because it is here. Have a lovely day. Thank you.